Inside the Podcast. My name is Tal Goblitz, and welcome back to the fourth Sunday of Advent for the week of December 19th, 2021. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast. And how did we get to this point? How are we already at the fourth Sunday of Advent? I don't know about you, but for me, Advent has absolutely flown by this year. It has just been moving right along. And Yet here we are in this last Sunday of preparation, this last Sunday of preparing ourselves and how do we prepare ourselves for the Savior? How does it look and how do we prepare ourselves for the celebration of Jesus coming into the world and what we being on this side of the cross know what that means for us? It's exciting. It's an interesting place to be. And I know for me, it's like I've stated, it's just absolutely flown by. And to give you a bit of a teaser where we're going this week, I am going to do something that I have never done in nearly the four years of this podcast. And it's that we are going to have some symbolism that we're going to carry through here for the next couple months, actually. We're going to be touching on this at a couple different points here along the way, looking at it through Epiphany. But it was something that as I stumbled across it, as I was working through the text this week, I just couldn't let it go. I just felt this more and more relates to what goes on throughout the whole year. So this is something that we're going to be working on and working through, and I think it'll be really fun. But before we jump into that, we have to look at last week's Twitter question, which was, how are you going to work together with others to prepare? And I think when we think about Christmas in a lot of ways, especially in the nuclear family setting, we like thinking about it this way. You decorate the tree together. You set up your yard ornaments and stuff together. But even if you're a single person, you're going to Christmas plays or Christmas concerts or doing things together as a community. And it's one of these things like I have kind of reiterated a couple different times here. It's one of the things that I wish was throughout the whole year more where we had more emphasis in that. But it seems to get ramped up, especially between Thanksgiving and Christmas, this idea of coming together and working together to do something. And I think in a lot of ways, when you are thinking about Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, depending on your church and how they celebrate these holidays and how things happen, it's a lot of people putting stuff together, a lot of people working together to do something. So I would recommend if you haven't, make sure to this year kind of take note of who are the people that are making the things happen and make sure that you give them a thank you. I think it's one of the things that it's easy to overlook, the people who are doing a lot of work behind the scenes or maybe not even the pastor preaching, but the pastor preaching is still taking away time from them with their families to be able to bring this very important day and make it happen. But it's also that recognition. So I think it's one of those things that can be overlooked, but it's one of those moments that recognize that they're helping make your Christmas season happen also. So let's just jump right into it this week. The first reading is out of Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 5a. This is an interesting text and a fun text because one, being on this side of the cross, it has a lot of prophecy. It's talking about how, like David came out of Bethlehem, this small town of Bethlehem is going to raise up a great king that's going to lead the people through. But in this part of Micah also, Micah is 
warning Judah that Jerusalem is going to fall. And this is 150 years plus before this happens. And Micah, as I picked up from Working Preacher this last week, and I'll attach their Working Preacher podcast below, they get into how Jerusalem at this time was kind of having these fights with other countries, especially depending on who the leadership was. And with Jerusalem being built into the bedrock on the top of a hill, it made it very difficult for that city to be overthrown. But then cities like Bethlehem that were kind of more in the valley in these smaller areas where they weren't in this as advantageous position, that it meant that they kept having to be rebuilt as these wars just kept coming in and kind of demolishing the people. So it's kind of this interesting prophecy, but also realizing a little bit of the history of what was going on, why Bethlehem is the unlikeliest of towns to have this king come out of. The psalm this week is really interesting because there is a psalm out of the book of Psalms, but we also have a second psalm opportunity that's the back end of the gospel text. So that's when I'll address the Magnificat, which is Luke chapter 1, verses 46b to 55. I'll talk about that later, and that's the alternative psalm this week is coming out of Luke. But then the other psalm that you have is Psalm 80, verses 1 to 7. This is realizing, again, the line of what has happened in Israel and how, as a shepherd, God's going to stir up and lead and restore these people, restore them and lead them. And even though that there have been tears and things that have torn them apart, that God will still come in and restore and make the path straight, make the, the royal highway that has been promised before them. The New Testament text is out of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 to 10. This text is definitely a text that kind of knowing Christ's birth, knowing what happens with Christ, that this is there. But how Christ came in and wasn't looking for burnt offerings, wasn't looking for sacrifices, and yet his will was to be able to connect with us. His will was to be able to take on the the role of what had been predetermined through God, that he was trying to sanctify all of us, to take on that sin of everything before us and just take care of it. And this process, this journey that this was going to take was not an easy one. And there weren't going to be shortcuts. There weren't going to be easy, easy ways out. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. 46 through 55 is alternative, the optionally, and that's the Magnificat like we talked about earlier. So the first half of this text is Mary with haste heads out to greet Elizabeth and they are having a joyful time as they are meeting up together. And when Mary enters, the child within Elizabeth leaps and is filled with the Holy Spirit, and we get a blessing from Elizabeth. And then we get this beautiful piece that we have to recognize. Well, let's rewind here a couple little things. One, Elizabeth is the one who will bear John the Baptist, who we've heard from the last few weeks. 
two, Elizabeth is also much older than Mary. Mary is much more about a teenager, where Elizabeth, they've been trying to have a child for a while. And so that they're both pregnant at the same time, it is something for them to be joyful about. Elizabeth then gives her this blessing to recognize what God is doing within her. Mary then goes into this beautiful piece, but it's also really deep. And especially if you have more like a Jewish roots like our faith have, there's a lot of echoes here of Miriam's song, of Hannah's song, of a lot of these women calls and how God is manifesting things. So first we get in here that how look at how God is blessing me and realizing that this is going to be something that's going to be significant for the rest of her life and realizing that God is doing this, but then also realizing what God is doing through this and recognizing how God is doing some amazing things. And it's she's essentially just in the beginning stages of the fulfillment of the promise and here for the ride to see what all comes next. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainways podcast, which I've already recommended this week, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be help bring you this podcast week after week. So, if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. The second thing that I would highly recommend is checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the library at Vanderbilt.edu. This is a great resource. I really enjoy using it because they have all their texts in a very nice laid out way. They have art going through the history and being able to see how different people have interpreted this text and put it into an artistic manner is really helpful in a lot of ways with these texts. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the library at Vanderbilt.edu, I'd highly recommend that. My final recommendation this week is something that I should have been recommending for a long time, but it's been something I've been coming a little late to the party on. And it's an online series that they're funding through like Kickstarter type thing called The Chosen. It's been two seasons, and I think they're looking at seven or eight seasons, but they're walking through Jesus's ministry. And the reason that I'm recommending it right now is that the last two years, they've had some Christmas specials that I've checked out, and I've even used the one with my youth ministry because I thought it was really interesting. They used one kind of looking at the Jesus birth story from the shepherd's perspective, which was super, super interesting. They had a really cool one called Messengers for this year at Christmas. And I'm really excited to kind of dig into more of what their meat and potatoes are of going through the ministry of Jesus. But the little bits and pieces that I've read, the little bits and pieces that I've seen, the little bits and things that I've heard, it's really, really good. I'd highly recommend checking it out. I'll attach a link down below. Worth checking that out. Make sure that you're spending a little bit of time with The Chosen. This last Sunday of Advent, where we are anticipating and preparing and getting ready for Christ, and here we have, even now, Elizabeth's womb getting excited about Jesus' arrival. But there's a lot here. There's a lot to think about a lot to contemplate as here we have Mary pregnant with haste going and seeing her cousin Elizabeth. 
And yet Elizabeth, realizing how long and how hard that she has tried and not being envious what we can hear out of these, instead seeing this as a what a blessing that we both are being able to have the Lord bless us in this way and giving more advice to help Mary through this process and help her recognize maybe or continue to recognize how God is blessing her so much and is doing amazing things for her that she has been chosen to be the carrier of this. It's quite amazing. And it got me thinking about this in a lot of ways. Like, here we have, you know, this, again, this choosing where we have Micah talking about the choosing of the city of Bethlehem, this unlikely choice, right? The same thing here with just Jesus being with a young mother. She would have been a teenager at this point. Hebrews talking about how God wasn't wanting these sacrifices and all this. He was going for sanctification through the death of his own son, not the typical process to be able to have a better relationship with us. And again, the psalm, either being the Magnificat going through and again that recognizing what God is doing or in the, the psalm coming from psalms, recognizing how God, even as things are divided at different times, even though there's pains and tears, that God is still trying to shepherd and steer and guide us through these difficult times to help give us direction. And the thing that I was thinking about, especially from the gospel text, is the journey here pregnant Mary is going through. We don't know how far along she is at this point, but with sea turtles. And so I did a little bit of research on sea turtles. There are seven different species of sea turtles. Most of them are endangered. Most of them having very, very different types of migration. But it can be anything from a few thousand miles to over the course of the year, getting in about 10,000 miles of travel between their feeding grounds and their breeding grounds and their nesting grounds, if you want to put it that way. And what I find amazing about these is how sea turtles live. Just doing a brief summary of their life. The mother goes and travels in this migration to go to a beach to lay somewhere between 60 to 120-ish eggs, depending on the species, and leaves, covers them up in leaves. Because all the eggs are together, depending on how warm the beach is or cold the beach is, will actually help determine the majority of the sex of the sea turtles. And it's not uncommonly heard of with reptiles. But part of why they all come out together is that they can't claw their way out by their own. As they hatch, then all of them start working to get out of the sand And based on the gradient and feeling the slope of the sand, they head toward the sea to be thrown about. Where it's these kind of lost years where they have to go and hide and eat and try to grow so that they don't become predation. Even as they're crawling and running out on shore, they're potential prey for birds or animals that potentially could be on that beach at that same time. And so it's very hard to even really judge how many sea turtles get to adulthood because they kind of go and hide until they get to about the size of a dinner plate to be able to really kind of be big enough that they're not worried about everything. And to me, when I was really going through this and looking at this, is first thinking about 
okay, you have this journey that the parent goes through. And thinking about Mary, yes, we have a little bit of Joseph's story sprinkled with it throughout the Gospels, but a lot, especially this year, we hear, you know, hear her going to Elizabeth, and then we get out of Luke the most traditional story that we hear at Christmas with the story. But here is this travel of the sea turtle to lay eggs, and then it goes out and leaves, and it leaves these young open. And if we look at the beginning of of Scripture here, how when King Herod, and this is kind of fast-forwarding a little bit, but when King Herod hears about Jesus' birth and killing all these kids, that Mary has to essentially scoop up her child and run, sounds very eerily similar to me as young sea turtles going and getting out into the ocean, but having to go and hide and eat and grow because otherwise they are predation. And it's something that we'll keep touching on. But I think there's something to this. There's something about thinking about how coming together, coming together to repeat a routine with something like migration and laying eggs in a similar beach at a similar time every year as they get to this maternal instinct that they have. But also this idea of all the young having to work together to be able to get out, just like here you have Elizabeth and Mary celebrating together that the blessing of what this is, the blessing of all these young sea turtles being together and working together to be able to try to get out to sea to survive. Christmas, in a lot of ways, like we kind of talked about with the Twitter question from last week, is a lot of preparation both individually but also corporately as a group getting ready for what that's going to look like and what that all means. And I can't imagine what it's like for that sea turtle to lay all those eggs and then leave. But the anticipation of, will I ever meet my young and what will they do and will they make it? And I know how hard the struggle is to, to go through. In a lot of ways, Mary going to Elizabeth probably is something similar where, okay, Elizabeth, I know you haven't really gone through this either, but maybe together we can figure this out. Maybe together we can talk about these things. I'm scared. I'm concerned. What does this all mean? And yet then Elizabeth calming her down and helping her recognize what a blessing it really is, how God has blessed both of them with this and that they're continuing the promise that was given to Abraham of this countless numbers of stars. If you think about it from these ways, I, in a lot of ways, I don't know how sea turtles make it. To have no real maternal care there, and yet here they are a successful animal, something that's successful, they figure it out. You know, Jesus in a lot of ways, yes, he had biological parents, but the goals and aspirations that God had for Jesus, there wasn't, it would have probably been talked about, but it wasn't exactly just perfectly laid out in the way Jesus probably had to somewhat figure this out. And these lost years that we talk about with sea turtles where they go and hide and we really don't know how many are lost, how many survive. We don't know entirely what they're doing. We know that they're hiding to try to grow enough so that they can survive. To me, it's very similar to the Gospels that we have where we don't have very many stories of Jesus growing up. You have to go into alternative gospels to potentially pick up some of that stuff. And we have very limited stories. And that's where we'll kind of keep touching on this sea turtle idea. 
But this is the beginning again, this continued preparation. Mary going and spending some time with Elizabeth to go through the joys, this the things she's scared about. We got to also remember this is first century birthing here, that they aren't necessarily guaranteed to have these births. Now, they've had promises from the Holy Spirit, which probably helps reassure them to give them this hope. But they also probably know of people who have either lost their lives or lost a child in the birthing process. So there's probably at least some doubt or fear that's there. And you think about a sea turtle probably just has to kind of let a lot of that stuff go, just not even knowing how many of their young are going to survive. And yet they're going through this massive journey to try to give that best possibility they can for their young to survive. This preparation that is taking, going clear to a different area to try to prepare and try to dig a den and lay all the eggs together so they can work together to give themselves the best opportunity they can to survive. Does that not sound like what we've been doing during Advent? Coming together to hear stories of preparation and how this has been promised and stories that a lot of times we've heard before. And yet here we come again and again, and this next week coming together again to hear the story again of the birth of Christ, to prepare us, to help us recognize the gift that we have been given. We know that the road of what Jesus goes through is not easy, and we can assume that young sea turtles' lives were not easy either. There was a lot of things that had to be learned and grow. It's amazing, really, when you think about it, how something like this works, how we all are dependent on each other, and we all have a role to play to prepare. And we all will go that extra mile for somebody, for something. It's for whatever reason in our bones that we do that. And yet, it's not even just humankind that does that. We see it other places. And I think there is an embodiment of that that we see our creator in also. The final piece of this, I really think, is the Magnificat, Mary recognizing the amazingness of this and what God is doing, but even before that, Elizabeth recognizing that. And I think it's, in a lot of ways, very similar to us recognizing that we have some endangered species sea turtles because the life it is for a sea turtle is quite impressive to be able to get to the point that they do traveling thousands upon thousands of miles, the how small they are to start to be able to get to something significant in size. And yet, that baby sea turtle, it takes time for them to grow, to become something. Coming from the World Wildlife Foundation, most marine turtles take a decade to mature between 20 to 30 years and remain reproductive for 10 and can live potentially up to 50 years or more. But it, It takes time for them to get to the point of where they're mature to be able to go on that journey themselves. Jesus coming in as an infant was not fully ready for the task at hand. To come in as an infant shows that coming in like us, how we're not finished products either. But that process that Jesus went through, that process that a sea turtle goes through just to prepare for their young, to swim miles upon miles, to dig a hole to lay their young. And then leave. That, that That is my stage. That is what I am doing here. It's pretty impressive. 
And I'm glad that we have a God that isn't entirely like a mother sea turtle that just abandons us, that's still there along the way to help pick us up and to help steer us when we are led astray, as long as we let God work within us. I wonder what it's like to be a sea turtle. I wonder what it's like to be excited like this, like Mary and Elizabeth. I wonder what it's like the first time that they're able to lay eggs or or the sea turtle that knows that I've had trouble the last few years really finding a good spot and really finding a good spot to lay their eggs. I wonder what it's like. I think that's where we're at in this preparation phase is do we allow ourselves to wonder and to look out beyond our human experience and try to see examples of the earth preparing. We saw examples in the fall as different animals are preparing for winter, or you see it as different animals prepare for summer as they start building nests or preparing dens or different things of that nature. But that also means that we need to be able to wander enough to be able to see. So the tour question for you is, in this Advent season, have you spent time to wonder yet because i think that is a key part of this i think there is a key part of the wonder of what does this all mean is this going to happen how is this going to happen that wonder should continue to drive us just like the wonder of how does a sea turtle ever make it to adulthood because the odds are stacked against it the odds are stacked against mary the odds are stacked against elizabeth and yet god chose them and blessed them the odds were stacked against them but yet God doesn't play by those odds. And that's what's amazing. And that's the wonder of life, the wonder of this place in which we're in. There's a lot of times the odds are stacked against us, and yet God still shows up. And that is the spice of life and the thing that makes the Christmas season so exciting. So, I hope that you're preparing in this Advent season for the Christmas season that is coming up. It's, I can't believe that next Sunday we are in the first Sunday of Christmas. And that will be a joyous time. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.